You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga, a podcast that explores county initiatives and pulls back the curtain to reveal the work and the people who are driving Cuyahoga County forward. This month, we want to define and raise awareness about kinship care. And we're asking the question, how does kinship care meet Cuyahoga County's mandate to protect and serve the children in our care? We'll be speaking with a foster and adoptive recruitment supervisor and a social worker, but I want to start with someone whose experience is personal. I'm Don Calavini from the Communications Department, and joining me is Janelle Green, who works for Cuyahoga County, but for our purposes today, is an adoptive mother through the Kinship Care Program. Janelle, welcome. Thank you. And thank you so much for being willing to share your story with us. Sure. We appreciate it. Well, should probably start at the beginning. I'm thinking that you probably didn't even know what kinship care was 20 years ago, but life has a way of educating us. So if you could just fill us in on how this all started for you. Um, Well, for me, uh, I ended up getting uh, custody of my niece. Um, It was something where I was uh, babysitting and um, one of my siblings said, hey, I'll be back to get her in a couple of hours. And um, that never occurred. So uh, it was one of those things where I had to figure out what I wanted to do and what I needed to do in a course of a couple of days to see like, hey, I'm going to be a parent. And what do I need to do? Um, So uh, I remember that being a Saturday uh, and kind of trying to figure out on my own what I'm supposed to do. And then on that Monday, I called the uh, 696 Kids hotline. Uh, and they kind of walked me through what I'll need to do because I'll realize that I didn't, I wasn't her parent. So I had no recourse as far as, uh, school enrollment registration or anything like that. So, um, that hotline was there to kind of help me and to start that initiation with the County to help me get services for her. And, um, we're talking about your niece. You said she was three years old at the time. Yes, she was. You were a young professional just getting your career going, single, unburdened, <laughs> yes. and all of a sudden it's, you know, Sunday morning and you're realizing that you have this child in your care. Yeah. Um, she's your niece, but you have to think of, of self-care too. So I'm sure you reached out to family members as well before you made that call, but can you talk about um, just your thoughts at that time? Well, um, it was a situation of where um, I had hoped Um, I wouldn't have to activate this whole part of me to, you know, have to step in. Um, But, you know, I talked to uh, like my mom and talked to my other siblings and um, I was probably in the best position to step in to be her caregiver. So uh, it was one of those things of where I'm like, okay, you thought it was going to happen and now it has happened. So let's let's get started and, and see what we can do to get her help and and make sure she can have as normal a life as possible. Yes, because as you say, as um, someone who is not her parent, you're not on any of the school forms and and you really have no rights. So uh, I'd love to know what your conversations were like once you had started that process with the the folks at the Division of Child and Family Services um, in those first days. So in those first days, um, there was an intake social worker who kind of, uh, you know, got my background, kind of, uh, you know, just figuring, kind of triaging the situation. Um, what do I need to do? And kind of walking me through those steps. Like, um, you know, she's my niece, now daughter is three at the time. And so it was making sure um, 
you know, what school she was at, what what worked for both of us. Um, so it was walking through those steps and how the county could help. Um, you know, they did offer uh, vouchers uh, at the time to help cover her daycare costs and things like that. But, you know, all of those things take time to, to get in place. So it was really walking, um, walking me through how to get all of those services initiated and how to um, get the documentation to be able to register uh, her for school um, and to, you know, get her checked out for doctor's appointments and stuff like that. All those things you, as not being a parent, you really don't think about it, but you're just like, okay, I have to do these things and to make sure she's, that she's good. Uh, you learned early <laughs> on that kinship care is placing a child in a home with someone who's a relative or someone who already has a significant relationship um, to the child and, and the value of that. Um, as you were going through the process, did it cross your mind to um, just relinquish custody of your niece to the county? Well, it was one of those things like I had to wrestle with because um, at the time, you know, initially through this process, I was single. I was not in like parent mode. I was like, I was going to be that cool aunt that like got the <laughs> got the kids on the weekend and, you know, Sunday, take them back home. And, um, you know, at, at the time, my career uh, involved a lot of traveling and um, I was spending a lot of time in Florida before. So it was just like I was here, you know, a couple weeks a month. And then so it was like, okay, I have to, this will be a complete life change if, if I'm going to do this. Um, but it was understanding that um, for, to, for her to have as normal of life as possible, um, it would be better for her to be with me and for me to change how I operate. And, um, you know, it's still one of those things that I did wrestle with, like, should I, shouldn't I? But ultimately, I was like, I have to make sure like she's okay, and and I want to be there every day to make sure that she is okay. And she, as we said, was three at the time. So yes. you, it would be hard to have that conversation. But I'm I'm sure you talked to her about it. What were those conversations like? Um, and one of those things, even to this day, my uh, my daughter will say that um, I'm always open and honest and upfront. So whatever questions that she had, I definitely was upfront, honest, like. I don't know what's happening, um, you know, you know, as far as what's going on with your birth parents, I don't know. So let me just answer as much questions as possible. And I was, I was never, I was never one of those to beat around the bush. And even still now, I'm pretty blunt about everything and open. So, um, you know, she never had to worry if I was lying to her. Um, so just making sure that she understood that I didn't have all the answers. The social worker didn't have all the answers, but we're here to make sure that she's okay. And that's what it was about at the end of the day. And um, as you were wrestling with that decision, um, DCFS is going through the process of doing what they do. Right. And um, so how was that with you? You weren't working for the county at that time. You no. didn't really have any dealings with the county at that time. Right. Um, I was working um, at an IT shop um, and so, uh, you know, going through that whole process, you're working with a number of social workers, like I said, the intake um, process. And there's one that kind of the what I call I don't know what they call it, but I call it stabilize, stabilization and also um, a respite care uh, social worker. So working um, through that with everyone, trying to make sure um, as you go through court too, you know, if the birth parents, you know, have the opportunity to 
get custody of the child back and how that process is going also. So going through all of that and the county's still doing their thing, you know, if the child is going to be put up for adoption, they start all of that process on the back end. So uh, going through not only working with the social workers, but also understanding that she was going to be put up for adoption. Um, the thing that, or event that made me realize that I wanted to adopt her because uh, they post the kids up for adoption on an adoption website. And uh, seeing her on that website um, shook something in me. Right. So it was just like, you know, at the, especially at that point in time, I'm like, that's my baby up there, you know. And so um, by the time that I was going to adopt her, it was about two years after um, everything started since I had gotten custody of her. Um, I said, OK, I have to do this. I did not like seeing her up there. It felt to me almost like um, like a dating website, you know, like you go see like who you are best compatible with and, and, and these characteristics of these kids and, you know, and I was just like, no, she needs to be with me and I need to be with her. So um, that's what triggered me to um, complete the adoption process. Well, I think, you know, we've talked about this before um, recording today. And what you said was that, you know, a lot of people have those nine months to prepare Absolutely. for having a baby. And in your case, it was just a weekend. But you did have to go through so many steps along the way. And you've mentioned a couple of the social workers that you dealt with over that process. Once you'd committed to that adoption, um, she's your daughter, Um but you still need support. This isn't something that, you know, you've had her for three years to, right. to develop routines and structure and, you know, some more support, you know, and, and she's been through a trauma. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us about some of the uh, work that you all had to do with that you had to do with the county and, and different workers with DCFS? Right. So, um, some of the things they do, like I mentioned, the respite care social worker, um, it was a person that comes, you know, um, came on Saturdays to kind of give me a break and also to kind of take uh, my daughter out and take her out of this environment. You know, an unbiased person is take them out and kind of just hang and, and whatever. Um, that's one of the um, the things that the, the county provided. I mentioned also the, the child care vouchers. It was also um, awesome to have because child care is absolutely ridiculous. That's another topic for another podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but also... Um, the medical uh, coverage was provided, um, which uh, for my daughter, having gone through all the trauma and, you know, abandonment issues and that she that she had um, having that medical care for her was critical because she got the therapeutic services that she needed. Um, she does. I and mean, she's almost 20 years old. She still does that to this day. But uh, the therapy was something that was really helpful and really, really, uh, excuse me, critical for her. Um, to help her manage how she feels and to manage um, what her thoughts are. Um, and, and with that, that therapy that changed over the course of the years, you know, starting from, you know, art therapy, you know, kids uh, having that means to communicate and changing and developing with her as she developed. So that therapy changed over the, over the course of the years. But um, those are some of the critical things that the county helped me initiate, uh, for her in order to make sure that um, she is as, as quote unquote normal. I mean, what is normal um, and stable um, a person and develop her into uh, a fully functioning adult 
and that was I thought was probably one of the most critical pieces that they provided. There's so much more to your story, uh, but for our purposes here and now, <laughs> would you mind just sharing a little bit about your family today? So um, I was able to adopt my daughter. That was May 5th of 2008. Um, so uh, we just celebrated 14 years. So um, it's definitely been a journey, uh, but it's but it's definitely awesome. Um, my daughter is now officially starting her junior year at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, she is pre-med, so she wants to be a doctor, which she's talked about since she was about eight years old. So she's on her journey to get there. And um, it's been an amazing journey. Um, she was able to establish um, a relationship with one of her birth parents. Um, so that has been going well. And, um, you know, she's definitely um, become like this stable adult and, and, you know, our relationship is awesome. I talk to her every single day. Um, if it's through text, through email or the phone call, FaceTime, we communicate absolutely every single day. And, of course, that's my baby. So, uh, <laughs> Do you so ever I talk to her think, every day. you ever think about how different life would be if, if kinship care hadn't been the path? I do think about that. And, I, like, when we talked about it before, and um, I did state that, she helped me to really figure out what unconditional love was and to uh, just be involved in with her and, you know, through all the sports and through all everything that she's that she's accomplished in her life. It was just amazing to be a part of that. And I'm thankful and happy that I did do this whole process and to be able to provide that stability. But then also have her still be able to uh, interact with other family members, I think has been, uh, you know, key to her development. And so being a part of this journey has been amazing. And I hope that other people would do that if they, if that ever came up as an issue in their own families. You certainly couldn't have seen it coming, but no, <laughs> <laughs> it worked out. So thank you so much. You did. Thank you. Janelle Green's an adoptive mother through Cuyahoga County's Kinship Care Program. And next up, we'll be speaking with some employees from DCFS about kinship care and other ways that their work is centered on protecting and serving the children in our care. Cuyahoga County has the highest number of children in custody in recent memory. Every one of these children needs a family and deserves a family. Find out more about becoming a foster or adoptive parent at cuyahogacounty.us slash podcast. You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga. We've already heard a very specific case for the importance of kinship care and about the support that's available for adoptive and foster parents in Cuyahoga County. And now we're going to turn to some of the people who are doing the work to protect and serve the children in our care. Brian Stanton is a foster and adoptive recruitment supervisor and Amada Mate, who works with the children and families, is joining us as well. Thank you both for being here today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're always looking for a good audience to talk to. I'd like to start with you, Amada. Um, how long have you been a child protection specialist, and, and how have things changed since you first started? Oh, I've been doing this work for about 23 years now, um, which is crazy when I say it out loud. Um, but uh, I've been a supervisor for about uh, 18 years now, and one thing that has changed for sure is kinship care kinship care has become more important, uh, more important than ever, especially as we're running out of foster homes. 
Um, recruitment is always a challenge. And so to have kinship care, to have people who are willing to take in um, their, their grandchildren, their nieces, their nephews, is, is just becoming more important than ever. There's no doubt that the role that you've taken on is kind of a calling. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's challenging, but I'm sure it's very rewarding in many ways. Um, what would you say to somebody who's who's considering this kind of work? You have to love working with people, and you have to love working with people who are in a crisis. And um, just, you know, a lot of times, seeing somebody who who can overcome. Um, their serious situation, seeing a child who um, was able to, you know, get past a certain trauma, and they were able to do it because of you, is is just an amazing feeling that you you it's hard to duplicate, and so you have to have someone who whose heart is in it and and wants to do it just for the the sake of seeing other people prosper. Uh, as you said, you know, you're, you're dealing with children who are in, in trauma, uh, an unsettled space. Mm-hmm. How um, has kinship care kind of evolved since you started working with that? And as you said, it's, it's become more and more important. I think people are understanding that those family ties can sometimes make all the difference in, mm-hmm. in that situation of trauma. Oh, absolutely. It makes a huge difference when you're pulled out of your home you're not really sure why. You're not given a whole lot of details. You're not given a lot of time. You're away from your your home. You're away from your, your neighborhood. Um, everything that is normal has just been taken away from you. And maybe the one thing that is a constant, one thing that is familiar is maybe your grandmother, you've been to her home maybe a thousand times, maybe you've slept over her house, you know what kind of food she makes, you know, you know what her her um, her street looks like. And just having that familiarity could could mitigate that trauma just a little bit. What are some of the concerns that come up from people um, who are going to be considering being in a foster or adoptive parent. I mean, that, you know, your role is kind of to make sure that they understand that that you guys are going to be there for them, right? Oh, certainly. So, yeah. So there's kind of two ways to take this. First of all, many people don't realize a lot of our kinship relatives actually go through the program and become licensed foster and adoptive parents. Um, they never realized that they had that ability because like, oh, it's just my sister's kids or whatever. Like, why would I be, do that? But not only are they eligible to, but it's really preferred that they go through training. Um, even if you have a relationship with these children, every child that's been removed from their home has suffered some sort of trauma. And the more we learn about this, that trauma really affects their, you know, their behaviors and everything. So even though they're a relative, it's still important to learn how to manage that so that when they're in their episodes or they're having a tough time, you can work together and manage that in the moment instead of waiting for a counselor to come to the home. Even if you're not a relative going through our program, a lot of things we're always advertising for our foster parents. We're really just looking for good mentors. When the foster program works works well, we remove the kid one time. We take them out of their home. We work extensively with that family. We resolve whatever issue is, and then we move that child home safely. Um, so again, foster care, we're always focused on the temporary placements. We're really looking for you know, our foster families just to support the birth families. Um, we, they need to be flexible. They need to be kind of optimistic. They need to just be, you know, non-judgmental and realize that, yeah, just because our birth families are going through some tough times doesn't mean it's going to be permanent. And the better they work together, the more likely it is that child will successfully return home. 
It's interesting, too, because, um, you know, when I think about foster and adoptive parents, I think, you know, they probably come into it having a plan about how things are going to go. <laughs> but that ability to, to maybe pivot or be open to a different path, uh, that's got to be critical. Yeah. And, you know, we get a lot of uh, really nice people, caregivers off the street that are interested in the program. They're always talking about foster to adopt. And as an agency, we, we let them know that's really not a term that we use or want to use. Um, we're a children's service agency, so we really do want to work with our birth families. Um, we're not like an adoption agency where adoption is something we're focused on. Adoption is kind of one of the outcomes of foster care. But while we don't like foster to adopt us, because that kind of implies that it's up to the caregiver whether or not they're going to adopt from the beginning. And, and, and as you said, it's not the case. Um, we work extensively at juvenile court when kids come to our care, and it's ultimately up to them to decide when or if the child can go home. So no one really knows whether or not they can adopt until you get that final decision with the courts, which usually takes at least two years. When we come back, we're going to talk about the monumental need for homes for children in our care. Um, we are talking about kinship care, but also foster and adoption care here. And you're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga. You can find out more about our work to protect and serve children who can't remain in their homes, as well as about kinship care, foster care, and adoption programs. Visit cuyahogacounty.us slash podcast. You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga, and we are talking about kinship care, foster care and adoption care in Cuyahoga County, the care of children. Amata Mate is with us, a child protection specialist with the county, and Brian Stanton, a foster and adoptive recruitment supervisor for the Division of Children and Family Services. So let's talk about um, in this moment, and again, this will change probably by the time most people listen to this, but how many children and teens right now are in Cuyahoga County custody? So actually, as of Monday, we, we run these reports weekly. Um, and as of Monday, we had about 2,400 children in our care. Um, of those children, only, I say only, but there's 880, uh, 43 of them in permanent custody, which means the majority of our children are still in that temporary stage where we need, you know, think foster care in that situation. Um, permanency is when we're looking for adoptive families. While we're at 2,400 today, about a year and a half ago, we were over 3,000. So we are making some some um, progress in some areas. Amazing. And again, this is really, there's no right number here. But the number we're always focused on, the, the most I would say, is um, the number of placements we have outside of Cuyahoga County. That's a really significant number because those are children that can't, you know, they're not in their same school district. They're further away from their birth families, their neighborhoods. Um, those are the kids we're really focused on trying to bring back to Cuyahoga County. Like I said, it's traumatic when kids come into care. And the less traumatic it is, the more likely um, it's when they're placed in a home setting mm -hmm. um, with relatives, as we mentioned, um, just even if they're able to stay in the same school district. The need is so great for placements for some of the kids in our care that we've had to turn to sending um, children out of state because there's just no temporary placement available Um I imagine that, you know, it's got to be just such a tough challenge yeah. for all of you who work for Cuyahoga County. Um, and again, as you look for options and placements, um, most of these kids do have family. I mean, what are the benefits of kinship care? And again, what efforts are being done to, to maybe open up some of those doors that hadn't been opened before? And kinship doesn't just mean relative. It could mean a friend of the family. It could be that auntie who's really not a blood relative, but that just what the children called her because she was always 
at, in the home. It could be a, a neighbor who mm-hmm. knows the children well, um, anybody that the children trust. So, yeah, kinship can mean a lot of different things now. It's important for them to know that the county doesn't just um, place the child with them and say, thanks so much for doing this. Good luck to you. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of services available, and, and that's something that, that you're very involved with. Um, you know, how, how does the county help once the child is placed in this situation? Yeah, well, this doesn't work unless the whole family is supported. So it's not just the child, but it's also grandma or the aunt or, or uncle, whoever's taking the child or sometimes a sibling group in. And if they can't feed that child, if they can't have resources to take that child to school, to counseling, to visits with mom and dad, if they can't do that, then this is not going to work. So the whole um, family, the supportive family, has to have um, has to have some kind of anchor. And since we took that child away. In order to protect that child, then we need to do everything we can um, to support that child, to support the birth parents, to support the kinship parents, to basically you have a whole new system now that you have to um, support and provide. And maybe that means some financial benefits. Maybe that means a, a clothing voucher. Maybe that means um, a new crib or um, a child's bed because the grandparents don't have it in their home. So it could mean a whole variety of things. They are never without support. They can always call us back and say, you know what, I, I need help with this and that. And perhaps there's, you know, neighborhood collaboratives we can, um, you know, we, we can give them. We can have resources for therapy, for family therapy, for somebody to go into their home if they need some added support. So they're never alone. Kinship care is, is a great choice for a lot of kids, um, but so many amazing loving connections are made through foster care and adoption um, with people outside of families because there are a lot of good people who mm-hmm. step in to care for our kids, but we need to find more of them. Any last thoughts on what we can do about that? Well, we are always holding the classes. We're always uh, trying to get more caregivers in. Um, again, a lot of our families, our birth families that have their children removed, were actually raised in the system themselves, and they've really lacked that family support. So it's really important for us to get them in a scenario where they're connected to a foster caregiver or someone positive that's helping with the kids. It just helped to model the proper ways to parent. And our families really do, um, especially maybe on drugs that get sober, they really become the people that they were destined to be. They're really good people. They just need that support. And that's what they've been lacking. So we're always looking for good foster families to help support our birth families. Um, There's a process. They can contact our agency. We have recruitment specialists on on hand to answer any questions they may have about the process. Um, And that phone number is 216-881-5775. They can also visit our website. It's everychildneedsfamily.com. Um, where we have a list of available kids for um, adoption. We also have just frequently asked questions about the process. Um, just really encourage people to get the, the conversation started. We'd love to just talk more about it. 
Um, we're as an agency, we're always looking for an audience. So if you even want to contact our agency and have someone come out and speak at a, a community meeting or do a presentation, or even if you're having an event in your community, we'd love to show up at the resource table. Because again, we can't do this alone. We need, you know, even though foster adoption may not be for you specifically, we're hopeful that a neighbor or a family friend or maybe a church member may be. And the more people that are familiar with that, the more people can help share that, the higher our numbers will get. And we can really get these children that are outside of our county moved back home. That's great. Thank you so much, Brian Stanton. Amada Mate, I appreciate your time so much appreciate and uh, trying invite. to spread the word. Yes. Yeah, thank you for having us. You can find out more about our work to protect and serve children who can't remain in their homes, about kinship care, foster care, and adoption programs. Visit cuyahogacounty.us slash podcast. Let's Talk Cuyahoga is a podcast that explores Cuyahoga County initiatives and the people who make them happen. It's produced by the Cuyahoga County Multimedia and Communications teams. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast podcast platform so you won't miss our next episode. If you have any comments or questions about this podcast or maybe a topic you'd like us to take on in a future episode, please email communications at cuyahogacounty.us. Let's talk Cuyahoga.